0: God, we are thankful and grateful for all that you're doing in and among us, and uh, thankful for your steady hand uh, guiding and directing our lives, uh, comforting us, encouraging us, surrounding us, providing for us, God. Um, And we pray, Lord, that even as we look at this passage and consider uh, this text, that you would encourage us that you are here no matter what, uh, and, and that you're with us and that you're for us. And Lord, I pray that you would be honored and lifted up in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, there's quite a bit going on here. I did title this passage, The Last Straw, okay, Uh, as we're talking about straw and uh, the familiar phrase, right, if the, the... you know, the last straw, you've you've been fed up, it's time, everything is over, you've reached a tipping point of maybe you're uh, dealing with somebody. And and, and so today we're looking at a familiar part of the uh, Israelites' journey or beginning of their journey out of Egypt, where Pharaoh is going to remove the straw from their brick making. Uh, Previously, He had been providing straw for them to do their slave labor of making bricks for all the different building projects that were going on uh, in the land of Egypt, and they were doing on behalf of the Pharaoh. Um, And today we'll see when a request is made to him, uh, he takes the straw away. And so the last straw, there you go. Um, So we're going to see three movements here. First, we're seeing Moses head to Egypt. Uh, then we're going to see the first of eleven really uh, requests to let my people go. So that's why, let my people go. One of eleven is in your notes there, um, and and then finally, uh, what happens after he asks for the first time? I mean, given that he'll ask eleven times, you probably know that he didn't just say yes. Uh, so, uh, so we're looking at quite a bit here. After hearing from the Lord, uh, in our prior week we looked at at, at Moses. Uh, hearing from the Lord from a burning bush and, and God speaking to him uh, and, and telling him that he was to go to Egypt to call his people out of Egypt and to save them. Uh, he Moses finally, after many, many excuses given to God, decides that it is what he should do, in fact, and listen to God speaking to him out of the burning but non-consumed bush um, and, and actually take the Lord's advice. And so he goes to Jethro and says, uh, asks him for permission. And, you know, he didn't really like need permission from Jethro to follow God. Um, But uh, out of respect for this man that he's grown with for 40 years, he wants to be able to take his entire family with him. Um, And so he asks that he may go in peace. And and Jethro does, as the partner that we've seen him be throughout the time of the Exodus, uh, supports Moses and says, go, go in peace. Um, we looked at in great detail one of these passages from verse 21 to 26 where we see Moses' son being circumcised prior to going into Egypt and there's a lot of like debate about all that's going on in those passages which we hashed out a lot of on Thursday. I'm not going to address that right now because there's a lot to cover there. But the gist of it, regardless of your reading, is that God's desire for his leader and for the one that would go and follow him and call his people out of Egypt was that his family be pure, that his family be uh, right in leading and following the Lord. And so his son, who was not yet to be circumcised, is circumcised on the journey uh, toward Egypt and purity is brought to Moses' household. And so when Moses arrives then, what we see in verses 27 to 31 of chapter 4 is Moses arrives and uh, uh, God has given Moses Aaron to speak on his behalf to the people of Israel and to Pharaoh. And we see in verses 27 to 31 that they do in fact go and speak the words that the Lord had said to Moses. And these are the words that the Lord said to Moses. Uh, He said Uh, go back to Egypt. Oh, sorry. Uh, The Lord said to him, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn, And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. And so Moses goes and he, he tells it reveals to the people of Israel that God has in fact called the firstborn his firstborn Israel out of Egypt and it says to them God has appeared to me and it outlines all that has gone on with him and the response of the people of Israel is is uh, one of joy and they they receive this with gladness in verses 27 to 31 it says um or sorry, in verses, uh, we'll start 29. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people, showing him what God had made him able to do. The changing of a staff into a serpent, the changing of his leprous hand, his hand into leprous hand, and his hand back from leprous hand to clean hand, and the changing of water into blood. And so he did these signs and told them what God had told them, and all the people believed. As you might, if you saw such a thing happen in front of you, all the people believed, and they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that, they had seen, that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. So Moses, Aaron come to Israel and say, God has appeared to us and it's time. It's time for us. After 400 years of slavery in Egypt, it is time for us to come out, to leave. And these are the signs God has given us. And they go and say, yes, Lord, come on, bring it. And they worship. There's a lot of anticipation and excitement. I mean, you know, if someone came and did like you know, change their hand to leprosy. And, you know, just imagine that happening here. And someone said, okay, now this is what we're going to do. You would expect that what would follow is just victory, right? I mean, look at the power that Moses had in his hands, a staff to a snake, a hand to lepros, uh, turning water to blood. I mean, it's evident, right? That he's got some power and strength from God and a word that is true and good. And so what is next is that they should go to Pharaoh in boldness and say, let my people go, and he should just let them go. That's probably literally what the Israelites are expecting to happen. Is it, okay, Moses is here. Our leader is here. Our deliverer is here. And now next, we will leave. Chapter 5 doesn't really go that way. Moses and Aaron come to Pharaoh in verses 1 to 5 and Moses says to Pharaoh Thus says the Lord the God of Israel Let my people go that they may behold a feast that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness But the Pharaoh said Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice or let Israel go I do not know the Lord and moreover I will not let Israel go Then they said The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Go back to your burdens. And the Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks they made in the past you shall impose on them and by no means reduce it for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Not exactly the response anybody was hoping for. A couple of things going on here that we should point out. Moses and Aaron go and and cry out to Pharaoh and say, the Lord has said to you to let my people go and worship. And Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? truth is that Egypt should remember. They should remember who the Lord is. Uh, truthfully, because their existence was dependent upon it. 400 years prior, right? 400 years prior, a famine was coming to the land. and Had it not been for the Lord's provision of Joseph to the land... Famine would have taken over this country, yet instead, because of the wisdom given through Joseph by God, not only was Egypt saved, but it flourished and gained land and property and materials from the nations all around it They came buying bread over and over for seven years. The people of Egypt, the Pharaoh, should know who this Lord is and where this people that is among them came from he knows the Lord not. A lot changes in 400 years. I was thinking about that. You know, as zoom forward to our time. What is 400 years to us? Well, it's 2020 now. So 400 years ago was 1620. That was when the pilgrims said, hey, let's come across and gain religious freedom here in another land. Interesting to think about what has occurred in 400 years' time. How much we may have forgotten. How much has been purchased for us. How much we ought to be grateful for. Yet Pharaoh says, and maybe some today say, who is the Lord? So Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and say these things, and he says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let these people go? Instead of listening to God speaking through Moses and Aaron, instead he gives them a heavier burden and says, No more straw. Same amount of bricks, no more straw. This is a heavy, heavy burden, and we see it as such in, uh, in verses 15 to 19 when finally the foremen of Israel come before Pharaoh and just plead for mercy. The foremen of the people of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle you are idle. This is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall know that you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. This is not what Israel expected Just uh, a a handful of days before this, or weeks. I mean, mean, Moses and Abraham came with with great, uh, Moses and Aaron came with great power and said, hey, we're going to let the people go. We're going to leave Egypt. God has given us this word, and we're going to the Pharaoh right now. We're going to get out of here. And they worshiped the Lord. And what they expected to happen didn't happen. In fact, it got worse. And so they met with Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, they don't have any confidence in them anymore. They said, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Moses is distraught with this. He too is wondering, what in the world? Uh, now what? Now what am I supposed to do? I've gone, I was obedient. I, I came down to Egypt. My, my son, I, I circumcised my son. I, I got here. I, I told the people of Israel what's going to happen. I went to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Just as you told me to say. And, and now my people hate me even more so. And their burden is heavier, these million people. So Moses says, O oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. It doesn't seem like what should have happened. It seems exactly opposite to what should have happened so moses cries out in desperation wondering lord what like what is going on he doesn't know what's next really he, he was obedient right he went he said to the pharaoh he said exactly what he's supposed to say just as the lord had said and, and it got worse cries out in desperation to god and says why god why, why worse I thought it was to its worst. Why worse still? But the Lord. Chapter 6, the Lord responds to Moses and says this. We'll see that it's difficult even still for Moses to hear this as he, as he continues with uh, excuses, but... But listen to these words, the Lord says to Moses. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, and I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land. I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you, As a possession, I am the Lord. Moses responds still by saying, Lord, I'm of uncircumcised lips. How how can I go to this people? How can I say these things? I'm still distraught. The Lord tells them to go. God is the one that's going to do this. It's not going to be by the strength of Moses. In fact, what we'll see throughout Exodus over and over again, we've already seen throughout Exodus is after these events have occurred, as Moses is writing this down over and over again, he is very clearly demonstrating that he is not close to perfect. He is open-handed with it. He says, look, I doubted the Lord. I mean, Moses is writing this, that he is the one that after this great interaction with the Father, he says, ah, I don't think I can do it. I mean, he's confessing his inability to trust God and God's powerful words to him after God has done it. So This is how I was, and God still used me. As we look at these narratives, as we look at these Old Testament narratives, particularly, it's very easy for us to uh, kind of associate with the leader uh, and say, oh, I am like Moses. Just caution you. First of all, Moses knows he's not all that there is to be cracked up about, okay? Uh, Second of all, you might, and might have been and might, might be at times more like Pharaoh even than Moses. And, and you, you might very, very likely, and myself certainly, uh, have been like the people of Israel. And, and so just be careful as we look at these narratives to not just choose which one you are, but examine them and understand each perspective and know that at some point your human heart has been there. You've been the one that said, "Who is the Who is the Who is this Lord I'm supposed to listen to?" We've been there. You've been the one that said, "Oh, I had this great mountaintop experience, and then things got a little harder, and then it's like, Lord, where are you?" We've been there. We've been Moses, who got has said, "Hey, why don't you go do this?" And he's like, "Ah, not me. Maybe somebody else. Anybody else want to go?" We've been all of these people at some time or another. so as we consider this passage that we looked at, what, what do we go with? What do we, what do we take from these things? I think one of the most important things we can take from this is, is the central piece of the story, which is, uh, is that Pharaoh takes away the straw in the middle of this. I mean, there's actually like a, I've talked about chiastic literature, how the centerpiece is featured. Well, in this story, there is kind of like an inward and outward uh, narrative that's happening. And right at the center is Pharaoh removing straw from the people. That's the central act of this passage, this set of passage. First, at the beginning of this passage, you see God with Moses. At the end of the passage, you see God again with Moses, okay? And in uh, the bookends of that, you see Israel with the people. It's like right at the center of the story is God seeing, that Pharaoh, seeing Pharaoh take away this straw from the, from the bricks, Why would God allow that? And I would tell you that God does allow it to get harder. He does. Sometimes we're at a spot where it's like, man, life is really hard. This is really difficult. This thing that I'm going through, surely I'm at the bottom of this. And and sometimes God says, no, that's not the bottom, actually. And why? Why? Why more upon more? Why does he do that? Why does he allow that to happen? He said it to Moses. I don't know if you caught it. He said it to Moses. Now you shall see. Why does it get harder? Because you need to see that it's the Lord that is it is not by your strength at all, and that it's not by any just happenstance or circumstance, but it is God doing it. Why do the bricks just come from no straw? Why are they taking away the straw? Because the people of Israel needed to know. It wasn't just because God provided some great leader to step up and step up to Pharaoh and give him some words and what for. Rather, it was because God was going to so change Pharaoh's heart that he would drive them out of his land. Not allow them to go, but say, get out of here. <laughs> the reason God allows it to get harder even still is because he's got a victory that he wants to display to you. So you undeniably will know it is only by his power that you are saved God is willing to allow your position to weaken even more that his power might be undeniably felt and seen and known God is not unaware Of these people, Egypt, we saw at the beginning when he comes to Moses the first time, he says, I have seen them and I have heard them and I have known their suffering. And he wants us to know in that same way that his power will save, that we feel his power, that we see his strength, that we know his great love and compassion for us. His desire in all things, in all that he allows to come in and out and pass in and among you circumstantially, relationally, emotionally, in all these ways, the things he allows to pass across you for this desire that he has for you, that you would come to a place of unwavering faith and trust in him. Why does Pharaoh's heart continue to harden? That both the Egyptians and the Israelites and Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and all the people may know that it is the Lord who removed them from Egypt by his power and strength. Later on in the casket narrative, as we get further in, as the people come into the land of Israel, you know how much this story is known, is that when they're going to spy on the land Rahab and all the people there, they remembered, You know what? We like need to respect the God of this people, because the God of this people removed them from Egypt. It was known this people. Escape by the hand, not of their own strength, not of their own might, but by their God's strength and might. God's desire for you is that you come to a place of unwavering faith and trust in him. that every moment of your day is toward that end. that you would grow I, I was reminded of first uh, second Peter this passage in second Peter the aim of our life to you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Every circumstance, every day, every job you have, every relationship you have, has this aim, that you grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord. In Jesus Christ. So why would God let something get harder? That you know that he is with you and that it's by his power that all things happen. All victories come in his name and in his strength. That you grow in his knowledge and his grace. To him be the glory now and forever. Lord, we're so grateful to have the opportunity to to look at um, your people coming out of Israel. And Lord, we confess that sometimes we're like Israel and sometimes we're like Moses and sometimes we're like Pharaoh and sometimes we're like the Egyptians. and, And God, we pray that whomever we are today, That our trust would be in you, that would not waver by circumstance, but that every circumstance would lead us back to our knees, back to a pursuit of you, back to a greater trust of you, seeing your hand moving. whether blessing or suffering. Lord, recognize your great might is at work in our hearts. So we do not harden our hearts like Pharaoh. Rather, we give our hearts to you. In the words of the song that we sang just before this, we... Say, take it all, take it all. And God, we know and feel and understand that that is not said flippantly. God, we trust you with all that we are. pray that your glory be known in this place, in our hearts, and in your world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.